Welcome back to the PropTech Ramble. I'm Michael Grant. Hi everyone, I am Charlotte. Yeah, so I'm Sam. I'm my own blog now. <laughs> <laughs> um, plug away. PropTech for us as Metricus is, again, it's not just new, it is legacy as well. That's what it's all about, really, apart from me rambling on like I'm doing now. So, uh, That's why it's called PropTech, right? <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another PropTech Ramble. Today I am joined by Jenna Geigerman. Uh, Jenna is the Senior Director of Real Estate and Strategy at Citrix. Jenna, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Jenna, rather than me do it really badly, you've, you've been in real estate and been a real estate executive uh, in operations and lots of other areas. So could you just let everyone know who you are and what you're doing a bit of history about yourself so I, I don't do you any injustice? Sure. Um, short, short version, I've done about every job in commercial real estate, um, except being an attorney, but I've played one on TV. Um, certainly have done my fair share of contract drafting. Um, but I started, um, I have a design degree in architecture, I have um, master's degrees, MBA, and studying regional planning. So kind of that whole holistic view um, grounded in a design orientation. Started doing affordable housing development, moved to real estate consulting, real estate investment trust, um, did title insurance with their national markets. Um, and then I, my job before Citrix, I was the chief operations officer for an architecture firm. My only job in architecture, despite my design degree from MIT, and <laughs> then um, and then I've been at Citrix almost ten years. So I've done a lot of a lot of jobs within Citrix. Most recently, I'm responsible for managing our large America's portfolio, our largest sites, including our headquarters, um, and then I do a lot of our global initiatives, um, like the return to office and our technology initiatives. Thank you very much. And and on that, the, the the really interesting part for me is, and, and I'll come back to Citrix so people know who it is and what it does. But we're going to get on to the the workplace app and why you built it. But for 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 those people who don't know uh, who Citrix is and what they do, could you just give everyone an overview on Citrix as well? Sure. Um, Citrix has had tools that um, they support work anywhere, anytime, on any device. So um, a huge um, when we all had to go home and go hybrid, a lot of people had already been using Citrix, for example, to remote desktop in, um, but um, it really became a tool for a lot of people to be able to do their work and access their files. So we have a consolidated workspace platform um, and it has de desktop as a service, app delivery and security, collaborative work solutions, all within one cloud-based platform. Um, and so that pulls in a lot of our historic tools our current tools um, like file sharing and yep. you know signature and, and and those kinds of things all in one one um, easy to access from any device place. Yeah, cool. And, and I've I've been working with Citrix probably since 1998 uh, when I used to build data centers for a company called Level Three, which is now part uh -huh. of. Think so. We had a lot of Citrix servers in our data centers. So yeah, but Citrix. I've known, I've been known and been around Citrix for a long time, which is is interesting because, uh, in the so, you you as you and the company are in the process of developing your own workplace app. So, what what's the premise of the app, and why did you as Citrix decide to build that? Because I've known Citrix for a long time. <laughs> 
and it's not something I thought I, I would have thought Citrix would do. So, so what's the premise, and and why why Citrix built it? So, um, part of it is that you know, so the the original Citrix and how we got started is in the server optimization, yep. which is what you were talking about. So you have an Amazon cloud, you know, it, it does data packets and makes sure that all of that is optimized. That has evolved through the company into the desktop as a service. Yep. And then the cloud version of that is works workspace as a service. So like that you can access things. A large part of that is apps. So a lot of the apps that are developed through workspace is just, it's like a portal, almost like your phone is a portal to get to, you know, SAP or to get to Workday or to get to uh, ServiceNow, you know, other business applications that your company may use um, to be able to get to on-prem information that you may have as well as cloud-based. So that's one of, sometimes you need a tool that will help you navigate all that. The part of that platform is to enable companies and our and our partners to create um, shortcut kind of built to purpose so i might have workday um, as which is a hr platform for those who don't know um, but it will queue up within a, a sort of a quick list of action items hey you have an expense you have a um, a time off to approve or it's time for you to do your employee review i might have ServiceNow, which a lot of people use for their IT backend support, it may say you have a ticket to review or your ticket was processed. So it, it includes this functionality to build these kind of quick, um, you know, pulling an action item out of an app and do a workflow. So it may be that um, it's time off, but then it'll go to concur so I can book my travel and then it'll go directly to my expense report. So it has these workflows. So the reason when uh, the real estate team had identified a need to have, and this is pre COVID to have an app so that people could easily look at our floor plans. If they were traveling, they could see different offices. They could look at amenities, look at what the lunch specials were. And then, um, I had started a workplace design strategy council within Citrix where we tried to at least quarterly make sure HR technology and our IT teams and our engineering teams, our brand teams, our marketing teams, and our real estate teams, all of whom were playing and work in the built environment in different ways and how employees use space, that our efforts were aligned. So if we were doing a project, um, like we were building out a new portfolio or looking at an, you know, a new experience center, we were all uh, aligned in what that looked like. So yeah. with within that, we, the real estate team said, hey, we're going to buy, you know, an off the shelf kind of app to do this. And our engineer said, hey, let's partner to do that. And we're like, great, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so the, so the, the good news is the real estate team doesn't always have the opportunity to be a key part of evolving the business. Yeah. And this was an opportunity for us to do that. So we partnered with engineering to take the, you know, sort of the, the business need, which was reducing the friction of the employee experience so they could more easily consume space in a mobile format um, and get information to plan visits and to plan their day. Um, we started working with the, the engineering team um, to do that. And, and then not only from engineering, and then it went to the product and the design interface. So as we're evolving this, we could say, hey, this isn't a great user interface. The product team, um, would you know say hey we're having this issue also with other customers and the engineering team would be able to evolve it 
and the design team would evolve it. So then that became part of the toolkit that any partner or client who was using this workspace to develop their own apps would have sort of an enhanced toolkit. So um, that was great. We learned a lot about what was really good about it. We also learned a lot about its limits um, for, as a tool. Um, and then it actually started, we launched it during COVID um, and we were able to, you know, prioritize some of the features that were COVID features, like which desks are available. And like many companies, we've moved from, you know, a mix of assigned and we call it work anywhere space, but you sort of flex hotel desking um, to almost 100% flex hotel desking. And so when you do that, you really, the prioritization of a tool to book a desk and understand what's at a desk, um, who's sitting near you, those features become a higher priority. So that is where it landed um, when we launched it. And we still use the tool today. It was never designed to sell to clients. It was I, more I, designed I for sales to show here is the kind of cool things that you can do with this product. Uh, and right. Um, yeah. So it wasn't, and that was an interesting thing when we're, we're trying to partner with people. We're not trying to compete with you. We just, we, we needed to have one partner in there between us and engineering that could render our floor plans uh, because that was, again, a technology that they weren't going to develop or an expertise they weren't going to develop internally. They could take the APIs and pull it in yeah. to the app, but they weren't going to create rendering software to take something from Archibus and pull it into a digital platform. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And, and, and from, from building it, it, as you said, learning the good, the bad, the ugly about it, uh, was, was the process you, and you, you showed your excitement earlier about working with engineering, but was, <laughs> was the process, was the process when you all got together, was the process an easy one? Uh, and, 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 I think I probably know the answer to this, but was the given given who Citric is and doesn't the, the skill sets you have in house? But was it an easy process? And would you recommend anyone building their own, or would you recommend people going out and using what's already out there and plugging different bits and pieces in? So um, the short answer is no. I do not recommend anyone to do the path <laughs> that we did. Um, do not try this at home, people. <laughs> there are paid professionals who make workspace <laughs> apps for a living. Use one of them. Like that is what I would recommend. Um, so, and, and to, to, you know, dial it back a little bit, the underlying, even though we had great resources, that wasn't what they do every day. So they yeah. had to learning curve. We had a learning curve um, and it's never going to be their focus. So, you know, we had a dedicated team for this project, but then they're not going to evolve the, uh, evolve the product. They needed to get to an end game. And so, um, you know, there's companies that are purpose driven to create and, uh, and evolve and continue to say, what's the cutting edge? How can we improve the, yeah. improve this? Now we did have a lot more control over what were the features that we needed to promote yeah. and, and have at the front end. Right. So there was, um, there was that. Um, but the other thing is people are like, well, we'll just develop it in house. It'll be cheaper. It is not people. It is not cheaper to do that. Let me just tell you why. So, you know, you have your engineering talent. They're taken offline from doing other things. There's project management time. So it took a, a tremendous amount of my time. And eventually we actually hired a third party, you know, a project manager because when we got closer to delivery, there was just a lot of detail and, and as in interfacing both with our internal engineers and we ended up using JLL's OSIS because we needed a tool that could take the maps 
um, from Archibus, but also on a mobile and a desktop platform, which really limited the number of um, partners that we could potentially have. But so working with them to make sure that that evolved, and it wasn't their priority either because they now have a competing app, the JLL Jet. So again, the partners in there, it's not there, it's not going to be their priority. And then you have the learning curve, um, the hosting fees. So you still have to pay for, you know, space for these things. Um, and so, and then the ongoing management and maintenance, it, it's just, it adds up to be a lot more than somebody who's taking that development time and they're, you know, they amortize it over multiple clients versus all of that time just being on your client. Yeah, so that I, said, I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot. Um, so, but, but the most important thing is don't try this at home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I thought that that would be the answer. And, and if anyone was going to do it and do it well, having known Citrix for a long time, it would be Citrix. But mm-hmm. as you said, Citrix are really good at a lot of things, but this is not their wheelhouse. Yeah. But, we're not but, an app builder. We're yeah. not even an app builder. We're an app platform. Yeah. at this point, but that's different from being a builder. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard of people in, in other things like, uh, like SAS, which is a big t- software company locally. It's the largest private software company, I think. But anyway, they, they internally developed their POS system for their cafe. Why? Like, why yeah. would you, <laughs> yeah. why would you spend your developer's time developing a POS system for your cafe? You know, I mean, it's, yeah. and then it's just not ever as fluid and doesn't, that technology doesn't play nice with other technology because it's not designed that way. And then you've got to maintain it and update it mm-hmm. and keep it going. And when something else comes out that it needs to plug into, you need to do that. And it's interesting. Lots of companies that we speak to are still trying to do some of this stuff on their own and it's not mm-hmm. in their wheelhouse. Uh, and I think it's I think it's happening less and less, but it still does happen in, in, in this in this space. Well, not in, just in our space, in the real estate space as well. You know, there's, mm-hmm. well, we've got an IT team and one of them's got, got some development skill sets. Great but you're a REIT and you, you know, want value right. from your properties and you've got your own IT. So why would you, why would you try and build a car parking app or, you know, a, a point of sales, <laughs> a point of sales system, any, anything else like that? It's. Yeah. One of my, my first REIT, we um, got into the e-commerce business because we had a visionary leader um, and, you know, it wasn't a bad play overall, except for we developed our own e-commerce platform we were looking at distribution and being responsible for the distribution system that was not in our that was not in our wheelhouse and ultimately the the REIT was taken private in essence it failed as a REIT because they were trying to do too many things instead of sticking with their core business um, which is real estate or in this case corporate real estate supporting a business that doesn't do that as their primary but people think they can save money well, you might you might save money in the first 12 months, but then if you, you do a total cost of ownership, you're like, right, we, we've developed version 1.0. What about version 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 and integrations and everything else and maintenance and support? And when it goes wrong, you've got your own internal clients throwing sticks and stones at you rather than just you're out. You're, Never Although it does help, it does help when the engineers are like, "This app sucks." I'll be <laughs> like, um, "Yeah, it wasn't our choice." Like, it, you know, there's an opportunity here to, um, yes, to not um, to to have a better user experience and to have something that can evolve as the business needs change. Because at this point, at some point, the business needs will change. We'll want to evolve, and we're going to end up buying something off the shelf. And so, all that integration we did with the initial 
um, you know, that's going to be something that at least we're getting some leverage because during COVID, I mean, we'll have this app for, you know, say three to five years and yeah. then we're going to start, start from scratch again. And, and probably, and hopefully buy it. Uh, uh, yes. And absolutely, absolutely <laughs> buy it. Yes. So on, on following on from that, lots of people in Citrix, lots of real estate, you're, you're responsible for operations and portfolio management, mm-hmm. uh, of the largest sites in America for Citrix. So following on from the app, what, what do you use smart building solutions? And, and if so, how do they, how do they help? I know we talked about the app, which helped the workplace piece, but what about the buildings themselves and, and how do you manage the, the operations and, and the portfolio management? So we have, um, we use some automated building controls um, for HVAC primarily, lighting and shades. Um, it's mostly in our own portfolio. I, um, am, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we, um, we had a build to suit 100%. We, in essence, built it out in partnership with the developer. So it was um, a lead platinum building. We had, you know, the time and energy to invest in a lot of those. But many companies, their real estate portfolio is leased, and so they're going to have fewer of those unless the landlord is providing it but you know developers are getting more and more um, as a differentiator um, for yes. energy savings and sustainability goals um, the you know the the when we're looking at technology investment there's just a lot of places that you can invest in design and technology right you just need one you just need to keep your spaces current and now we have this whole new thing of we need to rethink how we're using space so that's a way to spend money um, you need to have, I mean, just the basics like good AV um, and up-to-date desk equipment, right? Yeah. People think about technology and they forget a big part of technology is just things should turn on and they yeah. should work, right? Yeah. There's optimization, but there's sort of the basics. And then, um, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of companies are moving to more fluid use of space. Yeah. So this desk booking app, you need a way to consume that. And then measuring like the data part of that. So that's yeah. another thing. And we've definitely done... We use the badge reports revolving to more like Wi-Fi pings, conference room usage, but also sensors. Um, So I think a lot of our investment in our energy has been on the data and understanding how people use space. So as you try new things, you can say, was that was that effective? Not. Um, And then, as, as we mentioned, just the cost effective and resource building tools that there is yeah. to invest in as well. So there's a lot of a lot of um, very valuable um, investment priorities and then there's never enough money to do all that. So and and are you from a, a company point of view, have you got a strategy of or a priority list of what's the most important parts to roll out? Because I, I always say to people, you know, or people say, you know, we want to digitize a building. We want, you know, when people walk up, the door opens and the lift comes down and the lights go on and off and all that whizzy bang stuff, which mm-hmm. sounds great, but in practice, it's hard to do and it will cost you a lot of money and doesn't give you the biggest return on investment. It might give you some customer satisfaction as in, from an end user point of view, but it also I think it brings with it a lot of risk. And then if it doesn't work, then you've got more unhappy people because they've got something that doesn't work. Whereas if they didn't have it at all, but they had a smart building that had good indoor air quality, they knew when queues were busy in the cafeteria and the gym or whatever else you might have in your building. Do you have a priority list that you're working through to to kind of digitize your buildings in your estate? Yeah, so we definitely had um, a priority list pre-COVID and then um, COVID has changed a lot of things like which real estate, what does our real estate portfolio look like? Yeah. 
Yeah. And so a lot of the things that we had been looking at, we're, we're still investing in things like I mentioned, like the Wi-Fi data yeah. mining and the yeah. commerce room data, because that will be in place no matter what our portfolio looks like. But things that are specific building applications is not where we're investing right now until we know where that lands. Yeah, and it makes sense. You don't need to buy something if you've already got certain amounts of data that's already helping you, you know. Cisco, Cisco CMX, if you've got the right layout, can give you some quite good data. If you've got the right video conferencing systems, that can tell you how many people are in the room and how many people were connected and all that sort of stuff. So you can start mm -hmm. to you can start to pull that together yourself if you need to. So Yeah, uh, I think that's the that's the biggest area that we've been working on just internally and again, internal resources, um, with some, you know, pulling off the shelf, but but developing a dashboard that pulls in this disparate sources of information so you can get a story. What's going on with the portfolio? Where are people showing up to work? What kinds of people are showing up to work? You know, departments and um, three P's versus employees. And, you know, what is their usage pattern through the week? And what is their peak, you know, the peak traffic? And, and so those kinds of things. So as we start to look at what how our portfolio evolves, we have some foundational information. And also it's been very helpful to debunk some of the, um, well, you know, the engineers will come back if they have dedicated desks. Oh, oh, really? Let's look at some data. So we'll, you know, we'll do pilots and here's a dedicated neighborhood. You guys assign these seats, you do whatever you want and compare that engineering team to another engineering team who's just fluidly using the space and there's no appreciable difference. So it, that's a lot of where our energy is spent right now is understanding user behavior and to try to use that to um, forward and future-proof our buildings um, as we're trying to figure out what it looks like post-pandemic. I was going to ask about engineers because engineers, some engineers really do like their own desks and put their own kit in it. So that's that's an interesting one. That The ones that didn't have, have, were okay with not having a, a, a static desk. So, Well, yeah, no one's okay with not having a static <laughs> desk. They all want a static desk. It has helped a lot um, in partnering with the business to help people understand because I got to be the person who said, guess what? Everyone's going to be moving to this more fluid work environment and all the VPs are going to lose your office. Yay. Um, so um, as an opportunity to, you know, you can just spin it however you want, but ultimately people feel like they had things taken away from them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and so the question will be how we piece that back together as people feel more comfortable coming into the office and as yeah. user behavior changes. But, you know, as I started Citrix as an anywhere, anytime, any device kind of company. And so our hybrid work strategy has reflected that. Um, and so that does affect how people use the space, which makes it more important that we understand yeah. that and can measure that. Yeah. And, and I guess when you're when you said that before and this is what a lot of people are doing with them with the portfolio is some of that end user uh, app experience type stuff is, is is okay but when you've got probably the amount of real estate that you've got as citrix and now you know flexible working is here to stay unless you're uh elon musk or the mr goldman sachs i can't remember his name who both said you are 100 percent back in the office whether you like it or not or and their employees on. say um yeah um, yeah, I don't think I was going to say something not very PC, but they <laughs> I was it I'm was two ready. letters and they were F U. Those were the letters. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, looking at your real estate and looking at how much you physically need now. A lot of our customers are doing that. If you're the landlord, 
Mm-hmm. It's very different to you as the the, the occupier slash tenant because there's a lot of space that you could probably give back now. You know, if you own the building and you're in it completely, it's yours. You may want to then sublet it if you if you so wish. Mm-hmm. You know, IT and security. Some some companies have a bit of a heart attack when you say you're going to do that. They're going to break in through my firewall or physically plug a cable in or whatever. Right. But, but there's a lot you can give back if you really start to bring the data sets together. And and I think the more you go on this journey of Citrix, the more data sets you want to overlay. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes beyond the, the people count and the, the meeting room and the floor and the building. When you look at, when you start to overlay indoor air quality, people and energy, right. there's, huge amount, there's huge amounts of savings to be made there. And that's when you probably want a Citrix to look at a platform that's out there already and not build one like you built the, the end user. The end user oh yeah, 100%. Because then there's some big savings to be made there. We've We've helped... Uh, there's there's a case study coming out. I won't say who it is just yet, but there's a case study coming out of, of a company that we've helped management consultants. And we haven't even connected to the BMS yet, but by having the indoor air quality and the people count, we're able to tell them, you know, look at look at look at what's going on with your HVAC. Right. You've got, you've got HVAC going on in winter and nobody's coming in until nine, nine or nine thirty, but it's going on at seven thirty in the morning and then it stays on until eight, eight o'clock at night, but everyone's mm-hmm. gone by six. Mm-hmm. So those things you start to when you've made some big chunky things, savings, I should say, like we, we had we had a million square feet. We only now need 750,000 square feet. Great. We've done the people count. What about overlaying all the other bits? That's well, when and optimizing that 750,000 yes, square because your first cost savings opportunity and, and resource. I mean, it's just inefficient to have a lot of buildings that you're not occupying, right? So, but then once you do that and you're like, okay, this is going to be it, then, then investing the in step, those then next step. level decisions where... Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. If you need any help, let us know. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, this is, I, I don't have any other questions that, that people have sent in, but we do have our uh, quick fire round of questions that I always ask. But before I get there, you mentioned something earlier that you had played a lawyer or a, an attorney on television. So I need to know about that. No, I, it's just a joke. Yeah, it's just a joke that, um, you know, they used to have a, a commercial in the, the US. I'm guessing it was, it may have been global, but it was like, um, I can, I can, I can draft this contract because I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. So this idea that just that, <laughs> that it was just it was just a joke. Yeah. So no, I've literally not played one on TV. I um, just just I behave as one occasionally within the <laughs> within the boundaries of legal the legal profession. So I definitely um, do not cross that line. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure I'm just all my alarms going off. So apologies, but. Uh, I, I imagine I imagine there's lots of lawyers who cross the boundaries in and outside of their their work as well. So. I would I would I would suspect that that might be true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Janet, we're just going to finish off uh, with a quick fire round of questions. So this is where we where we do ask the same questions every every podcast people. So if you're getting bored with that, I apologise. Maybe you can give me some new quick fire suggestions. But what was your first ever job, Jenna? My first ever job, um, aside from babysitting, which I did at the age of 10, I would not even let my kids walk out the site house unsupervised at 10, but like, no, I was full on babysitting. I worked for a civil engineering firm um, and, you know, develop, d- getting plot plans and doing the old fashioned blueprint um, back yeah. when it was an ammonia machine. So I, to this day, cannot smell as well as I, as other people. But then again, if there's a noxious odor, I can mouth breathe with the best of them. <laughs> That's good to know. That's good to know. When and where are you most productive? Um, I'm most productive in in a, I'm, I'm like a big 
believer in multiple screens. So my first, actually was ironically not at the architecture firm, which had multiple screens, the title insurance company, they were very good at making sure the workers were productive. And so like I've gotten to be quite attached to that. So it's very hard for me to just work on my laptop in random places, even though I would love to be able to do that. Um, but you know, I'm talking to you, I have a big screen over here. So even in my home environment, I have multiple screens, um, but I love to be able to see, and I'm most productive when I'm surrounded by the vibrancy of people, which is one of the things I love about corporate real estate and being in the office. Um, at home, I have a village in my house anyway, so it's kind of the same, but not. Um, but I, I think for me, I draw energy from the people and just the activity of people collaborating in par or working in parallel towards similar, similar ends. I, I'm, I'm the same in the, the multiple screen thing. I have multiple screens and most of our team have multiple screens as well. It's multiple screens, not screams. But, um, <laughs> some days that too. Some, some days that happens. <laughs> uh, people say, Michael, what are you doing? Uh, but multiple screens for me is big because I, I I've never actually calculated how much more efficient it makes you. But I'm like you, if I'm on my laptop, and I've got to flick between screens. Whereas if I've got two big screens in front of me and I can see one mm -hmm. or the other, and I'm inputting something over here or doing something over here, that that's a big thing. So much me. more efficient. Mm -hmm. I've just seen, and 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 uh, it was on Instagram, and I'm yet to go and really dig into it and see if it's actually as good as it says it is. But there's this thing that you can stick on the back of your laptop, and then two screens come out from either side, the same size as your laptop, so you can have three thirteen-inch screens, and it just plugs into the power on the laptop. So I'm like. I might have to look at one of those because if, like you said, to be more mobile, mm -hmm. if you're mo yeah, if you're mobile and you're going to a hotel, which I'm about to do next week in New York for a week, if I could have those three screens on my laptop, that would be awesome. You know, the other thing you can do, bring an HDMI cord and plug it into the TV, TV. which I, I do a lot. I yeah, totally I, I do that. Do. And I'm like, there's my new screen. It's monstrous. <laughs> I have, I always have a three meter HDMI screen, a HDMI cable when I travel. So yes. I yes. found out the one meter, the one and a half and the two meters, I probably just should have gone for the long one straight away, but I, right. I, I learned. Yeah. The depending same. on that. Cause the ergonomics of that aren't, aren't fabulous yeah. all the time, but yeah, it I'm is. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think people think to do that. I think this is going to be a fun tip for people who travel. Yes, I agree. I've been doing it for quite a while. Uh, so your favorite book is the next one. What's your favorite book? Um, my favorite book. I should have known this was going to be a question. Um, I, I'm a very eclectic reader. So I have a lot of business books that I've read. I've had a lot of like, you know, I have like four book clubs. So it's kind of hard for me to pick. Um, let's see. Okay, I'm just going to pick Life of Pi because that's the one that's coming to me. Um, just because yeah. it's interesting on so many levels. Um, which isn't I'm, I'm as not, interesting as a business book, but yeah, well, it doesn't have to be a business book. Uh -huh. uh, mine would be a children's book that I've read to all three of my children. Uh, I've not read Life of Pi, but my, I don't know if my wife has it. My wife's the, my, my wife and my youngest son, I've got three kids. My wife and my youngest son are the big readers. So mm -hmm. my, my wife reads a lot. I'd love to have more time to read, but, but I just, but I just don't. But, and another uh, quick one, Atomic Habits is a great book that I'm now actually going to force my whole family to do a chapter <laughs> at a week. So that's what I, for my birthday, um, which was this week, I, uh, I, I like to, my son is not great at presents, but I'm really good at trying to coerce him to do um, things that are helpful for him as a family activity. So that's what we're going to do. Atomic Habits. That's actually another great thing to just, 
little changes in your life can make a big can make a big difference. So cool. Uh, I'll have a look at Atomic Habits. Uh, when you're not working, how do you spend your time? I gather it's reading for some of it. If you've got that many a book, a lot clubs. of it is reading. Oh. Yes, yes. I'm actually down to two book clubs now, but I did have mother mother son mother mother quarterly. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big reader. Um, right now I'm renovating my house and I'm the president of, um, Cornet, the Carolinas yes. chapter. I, I saw and that. So yeah. yeah, I have like three part-time jobs, one of which I get paid for. That's a full-time job though, right? I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, so lately I've been renovating my house as many people have during COVID. Um, yes. but, um, it has been really satisfying. It'll be super satisfying when my deck is finished. Nice. Nice. Uh, we are about to start doing ours. Uh, what's what's your favorite? What's the what's your favorite office that you've ever worked in? Um, the Raleigh office for Citrix. I, I did go to Google. Um, I, I got to tour two of their um, Bay Area campuses this week, and yeah. that would be my favorite office if I ever worked at Google. Oh my gosh, any Google office would be fabulous. Cool. I've heard uh, I've heard lots of Google offices are very cool, so I imagine that would be that would be a good place. I've I'm yet to go to one, so there is one in Kings Cross in London. So I might have to figure out who I know there to get me in there one day. Uh, the last question, Jenna. So knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? Is the very last question. I would say to just be curious and less rigid. Um, and it's hard to know because a lot of where I've gotten has because, you know, I've doubled down and focused and, you know, gotten stuff done and pushed through. Um, but I wonder how many of my projects would have had better outcomes. The, the you know, the people I was serving would have been more bought in. Um, and I would have just enjoyed the process more if I had just been more curious and yeah. less, um, less assumed that I had the answers or my way was the best way, which I still often think to be fair, <laughs> but, um, I can at least be curious about why other people think that's true also. No, just kidding. <laughs> no I think being curious, I, I, that's definitely, I would have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think quite a few people, if they were, if if they thought about it, they would be more curious uh, and 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 taking in other people's perspectives. I'm a, I'm a bit like you. I think Jenna, when I was younger, I was driven to try and get everything done and to make sure I knew what I was doing. And sometimes proving that I was right wasn't necessarily the right thing. So just because yes. you're right, just because you're right doesn't mean you're right. So a hundred percent, as the um, as the wisdom of being older has shown me time and time again. <laughs> yes jenna thank you very much for coming on uh i hope the deck gets finished soon uh and you can go out and read a book on it that uh, will be lovely thank you and enjoy your trip to the states yes i will be probably coming to north carolina soon uh, i have a very good friend who's just moved there he's moved there from british columbia uh and we're also looking to grow a team uh, outside of new york so north or south carolina we're yet to figure out where it is so i might just give you a call and come absolutely visit. absolutely Cool. Sounds yeah. great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Take care. Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.